0: Chapter Nineteen of the House on the Borderland by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The End of the Solar System. From the abutment where once had been the windows, through which I had watched that first fatal dawn, I could see that the sun was hugely greater than it had been, when first the star lit the world. So great was it that its lower edge seemed almost to touch the far horizon. Even as I watched, I imagined that it drew closer. The radiance of green that lit the frozen earth grew steadily brighter. Thus, for a long space, things were. Then, on a sudden, I saw that the sun was changing shape and growing smaller, just as the moon would have done in past time. In a while, only a third of the illuminated part was turned toward the earth. The star bore away on the left. Gradually, as the world moved on, the star shone upon the front of the house once more, while the sun showed only as a great bow of green fire. An instant, it seemed, and the sun had vanished. The star was still fully visible. Then the earth moved into the black shadow of the sun, and all was night. Night, black, starless, and intolerable. Filled with tumultuous thoughts, I watched across the night, waiting, Years it may have been, and then in the dark house behind me the clotted stillness of the world was broken. I seemed to hear a soft padding of many feet and a faint inarticulate whisper of sound grew on my senses. I looked round to the blackness and saw a multitude of eyes. As I stared they increased and appeared to come toward me. For an instant I stood, unable to move, then a hideous swine noise. Author's footnote See First Footnote, Chapter 18 End of Author's Footnote Rose up into the night, and at that I leapt from the window, out on to the frozen world. I have a confused notion of having run a while, and after that I just waited, waited. Several times I heard shrieks, but always as though from a distance. Except for these sounds I had no idea of the whereabouts of the house— Time moved onward. I was conscious of little save a sensation of cold and hopelessness and fear. In age it seemed, and there came a glow that told me of the coming light. It grew tardily. Then, with a loom of unearthly glory, the first ray from the green star struck over the edge of the dark sun and lit the world. It fell upon a great ruined structure some two hundred yards away. It was the house. Staring I saw a fearsome sight. Over its walls crawled a legion of unholy things, almost covering the old building, from tottering towers to base. I could see them plainly. They were the swine creatures. The world moved out into the light of the star, and I saw that. Now it seemed to stretch across a quarter of the heavens. The glory of its livid light was so tremendous— that it appeared to fill the sky with quivering flames. Then I saw the sun. It was so close that half of its diameter lay below the horizon, and as the world circled across its face it seemed to tower right up into the sky, a stupendous dome of emerald-colored fire. From time to time I glanced toward the house, but the swine-things seemed unaware of my proximity. Years appeared to pass slowly, The earth had almost reached the center of the sun's disk. The light from the green sun, as now it must be called, shone through the interstices that gapped the moldered walls of the old house, giving them the appearance of being wrapped in green flames. The swine creatures still crawled about the walls. Suddenly there rose a loud roar of swine-voices, and up from the center of the roofless house shot a vast column of blood-red flame. I saw the little twisted towers and turrets flash into fire, yet still preserving their twisted crookedness. The beams of the green sun beat upon the house, and intermingled with its lurid glows, so that it appeared a blazing furnace of red and green fire. Fascinated, I watched, until an overwhelming sense of coming danger drew my attention. I glanced up, and at once it was borne upon me that the sun was closer, so close, in fact, that it seemed to overhang the world. Then, I know not how, I was caught up into strange heights, floating like a bubble in the awful effulgence. Far below me I saw the earth, with the burning house leaping into an ever-growing mountain of flame. Round about it the ground appeared to be glowing.' and in places heavy wreaths of yellow smoke ascended from the earth. It seemed as though the world were becoming ignited from that one plague-spot of fire. Faintly I could see the swine-things. They appeared quite unharmed. Then the ground seemed to cave in suddenly, and the house with its load of foul creatures disappeared into the depths of the earth, sending a strange, blood-colored cloud into the heights." I remembered the Hell-Pit under the house. In a while I looked round. The huge bulk of the sun rose high above me. The distance between it and the earth grew rapidly less. Suddenly the earth appeared to shoot forward. In a moment it had traversed the space between it and the sun. I heard no sound, but out from the sun's face gushed an ever-growing tongue of dazzling flame. It seemed to leap almost to the distant green sun, shearing through the emerald light a very cataract of blinding fire. It reached its limit and sank, and on the sun glowed a vast splash of burning white. The grave of the earth. The sun was very close to me now. Presently I found that I was rising higher until at last I rode above it, in the emptiness." The green sun was now so huge that its breath seemed to fill up all the sky ahead. I looked down and noted that the sun was passing directly beneath me. A year may have gone by, or a century, and I was left suspended alone. The sun showed far in front a black, circular mass against the molten splendor of the great green orb, Near one edge I observed that a lurid glow had appeared, marking the place where the earth had fallen. By this I knew that the long dead sun was still revolving, though with great slowness. Afar to my right I seemed to catch at times a faint glow of whitish light. For a great time I was uncertain whether to put this down to fancy or not. Thus for a while I stared with fresh wanderings, until at last I knew that it was no imaginary thing, but a reality. It grew brighter, and presently there slid out of the green a pale globe of softest white. It came nearer, and I saw that it was apparently surrounded by a robe of gently glowing clouds. Time passed. I glanced toward the diminishing sun. It showed only as a dark blot on the face of the green sun. As I watched, I saw it grow smaller, steadily as though rushing toward the superior orb at an immense speed. Intently I stared. What would happen? I was conscious of extraordinary emotions as I realized that it would strike the green sun. It grew no bigger than a pea, and I looked with my whole soul, to witness the final end of our system, that system which had borne the world through so many eons with its multitudinous sorrows and joys. And now, suddenly, something crossed my vision. Cutting from sight all vestige of the spectacle I watched with such soul interest, what happened to the dead sun I did not see. But I have no reason, in the light of that which I saw afterward— to disbelieve that it fell into the strange fire of the green sun, and so perished. And then suddenly an extraordinary question rose in my mind, whether this stupendous globe of green fire might not be the vast central sun, the great sun, round which our universe and countless others revolve. I felt confused. I thought of the probable end of the dead sun and another suggestion came dumbly: Do the dead stars make the green sun their grave? The idea appealed to me with no sense of grotesqueness but rather as something both possible and probable. End of chapter nineteen Recording by John Van Stan, Savannah, Georgia.